Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. 79-70, Carolina beats Duke to sweep Duke in the regular season. Sherelle, I don't know if it's a one-off, but Kenny Williams, just fabulous tonight. That's the only word I know to to offer as an adjective for the senior. It's funny because one of the um, storylines of the last month or so was, can North Carolina continue to win without getting much from Kenny Williams offensively? And I think there were a lot of people who wondered why he was getting so many minutes, um, why he was playing, why, you know, he was still taking shots. And I think the last two games have really kind of justified Roy Williams's approach, and they've also given Kenny a ton of confidence. Uh, the two free throws, or three or four free throws to close out Clemson, and then really, uh, you know, it was looking a little dicey there for North Carolina. They didn't score a field goal in the last, uh, you know, six forty-seven of the game, and you know, just had that feel of something where you know Duke hits a couple of threes and wins by one or, or something crazy, and that block on R.J. Barrett was the play of the game by far. Um, it took away Duke's last, you know, really kind of gas to win the game. Um, and just overall, aside from that play, I mean, Kenny had 18 points. So the shooting slump, you know, seems to be maybe not in the past, but it's not as strong as it was. He had four threes, which is what you wanted to do. He had six rebounds. He had three assists. He chased RJ Barrett. You know, I, I would say probably the best offensive player in the country who's going to be the number one or number two pick in the draft in a few months. Um, chased him around the entire game, played 39 minutes. Um, and just kind of one of those where he willed North Carolina to victory. And, you know, that's that's what seniors do. It's cliche. You know, we've heard a lot about it the last three or four days. But as we enter March, <clears throat> we start talking about finality. And Kenny Williams was a guy who knew he was playing his last game in the Smith Center and didn't want to lose to Duke, and he just didn't let it happen. Yeah, that's something I've done this week leading up to the game is read the stories, fantastic stories on Inside Carolina about the seniors, the long-form articles about Luke May, the – press conference and listen to all that stuff then read some back stuff on cam johnson and you know you just get a sense of who these guys are as people um and it makes it and i'll advise our listeners it makes it a lot easier to watch ball games if you realize that these guys are just like you or i with a talent and but to see williams do that and to come out and play we've banged on him significantly on this podcast and i think on the last podcast you and i did we said kenny's got to be better for carolina to win saturday night like they just did and to advance far in these tournaments i look at duke's box score and shrell i don't know if i've seen a box score that looks like duke's does and maybe ever reddish and barrett 23 and 26 points respectively but they combined, if my math is correct, for 16 for 50 from the field. Those two players, that speaks to the level of uh, defense that Kenny Williams specifically, but Carolina all around, played really when it mattered. Oh, for sure. I mean, there were stretches where, you know, RJ, we talked about R.J. Barrett is as talented as anyone in the country offensively. And there were stretches where I just, even though he ended up with 26 points, where I just kind of forgot he was in the game because either he wasn't getting the ball, he wasn't being his normal aggressive self, or uh, Kenny Williams was just, you know, just playing great defense on him where he couldn't get the ball. He couldn't get his shot off. He couldn't get to his point. So, um, you know, you just have to give so much credit to Kenny Williams because 
I think, and we've been talking about it a little bit offline, I think he's been tired the last couple of weeks because, you know, the guy's on the floor <laughs> more than anyone else. Like we talked about, he's chasing people around all game. Um, and he's been asked sometimes to uh, shoulder some of the offensive load. So um, just so many props to him for being able to do what he did tonight on, on a great player in R.J. Barrett. Indeed. Barrett finished 10 for 27. Um, had 12 rebounds, 26 points. If he's, if he's going to shoot 30%, uh, then he can have usually whatever points he gets. Uh, and, you know, and I'm going to talk about Marquise Bolden a little bit, and I tweeted about it. I hated to see that injury. I mean, they're not going to talk about how that's a double asterisk win for North Carolina or anything like that. But, you know, we talk a lot about the kids, and we'll talk plenty more about the Carolina seniors and players. But Bolden going down, man, that's a, a tough injury for a kid. Um, that's pretty much gotten crapped on at Duke the entire time he's been there. Well, you said it earlier that we have to realize that these players are people off the court. You know, for some people, they're your age. For some people, they're the age of your kids. And, you know, they they are normal. They just happen to have extraordinary talent that a lot of people don't. So it, it was very tough to watch for, for Bolden. You hope he's okay. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, just moving forward, you'd like to see teams, any team, whether it's Duke, whoever it is, fully healthy um, heading into March. And, and that's what, you know, I think we're hoping for. Yep, indeed. No excuse time of year coming up. Carolina will be the two-seed in the ACC tournament play Thursday evening. Um, again, you're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Inside Carolina premium subscribers get that 10% off code. I saw somebody on the message board post that they had used it and got that 10% off, so it's real. Take advantage of it, folks. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, best place to get your Carolina gear. I'm sure they'll have something um, related to a broom after this one but still a lot of basketball left to play. Let, Shrell, let's talk about Kobe White a little bit. Struggled mightily at Duke. The moment certainly wasn't too big for the freshman this year. This I think game. those, yeah, those, those first three halves against Duke, I think prepared him for that second half. I think when you're going against someone like Trey Jones, you want to be very careful about um, how you play offense because you don't want to, yeah, have silly turnovers. You don't want to let them get easy baskets. So I think there was some tentativeness from Kobe in, in the first half. I think he was trying to feel his way through. And then in the second half, you know, he I think he hit that three and it just kind of woke everything up. And he said, you know what, I'm going to the basket. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to take this game over. And North Carolina has, you know, two or three players that when they get hot, you know, it's very hard to stop them. And that's what this game showed. There wasn't – it wasn't like, you know, Kobe – had a great offensive first half and great offensive second half. The first half, Kenny, you know, kind of kept UNC in there along with uh, Cam Johnson a little bit. The second half, Kobe took over for a good four or five minute stretch, distributing, um, shooting, scoring, doing pretty much everything. And then, you know, Cam took over for a little bit. So um, it, it goes back to the point. And in the first half, Nasir, too, was uh, very aggressive um, scoring. So it comes back to that thing we've said since really preseason practice started. North Carolina has on any given night, you know, five, maybe six players who can give you 20 points. And when you have that kind of offensive firepower, you don't typically worry about how much you're going to score. It's all about defending. It's all about um, 50-50 balls, rebounding, those kind of things. I thought something that was interesting as well, um, and I knew it was coming watching the pace of the game in the first half, is guys were going to start getting tired. And the thought was Duke is going to start wearing out. And Reddish and Jones and Barrett played 39, 40, and 38 minutes. But you look at Carolina's uh, box, and 
but for the foul trouble that Cam Johnson had and uh, Brooks was right at 29 minutes, you had Kobe at 36, Kenny at 39, Luke May at 33, Cam down at 28 because of the fouls. I believe he only played 10 minutes of the first half. But Carolina did not appear to get tired. And this is what we've talked about all year and forever with Roy Williams. That's why he does what he does in December in early January to get the guys ready to play major minutes in games like this. It it seems like the minutes total, if, you know, aside from Cam being in foul trouble, his, like you said, his would have been around 38. It seems like the minutes played are kind of a trust index for Roy Williams. Obviously he trusts all his players, but when you have Luke May, I mean, you have Kenny Williams at 39, you have Luke May at 33, you know, you just go down the line and it's kind of, you know, six guys he really, really, really feels um, 100% comfortable with in, in clutch moments. So um, I think, you know, it builds. It builds from November to December to January to February until North Carolina is playing, you know, better than arguably anyone outside of Virginia in the country. So R- Roy Williams has a – he has a formula. It works. It always works no matter how <laughs> we feel about it in November or December, and it, it's proven. Um, so, you know, I, I think he did a, a really good job in this particular game um, of just going with his guys. And it was, it was different from the game in Cameron, I think a little bit because, um, you know, Duke just seemed a little frenetic and I, I'll be honest. I mean, I was surprised at coach K strategy because uh, for the very reasons we talked about, you know, when you have Reddish and Barrett and Jones all going 38, 39 and 40 minutes, it doesn't seem like the best strategy to run with North Carolina because that's their game. And I know that's Duke's games this year, that's Duke's game this year, but for North Carolina, that's what it always is for the last 16 years on the Royal Williams. So it's a little different. So I thought we'd see more, you know, kind of slow down, ISO, just give the ball to Barrett, clear out at the top, and let him go. Um, and that didn't happen, and I think that played into North Carolina's favor. Yeah, and that's what Duke's done when they've beaten Carolina in games like this, is they'll slow it down and just do the ISO NBA style. And you're right, they wanted to get out and run, and they ran their guys – into the ground. I mean, it, ha- it seems like, it seems like it happens every year with Duke, um, but it certainly played a role in the second half. When your legs are gone, you're not going to hit the threes late in ball games. Three for twelve for Reddish, four for eleven for Barrett. Um, yeah, it, it it allowed Carolina to build up ahead of steam and then get that big run. But and what do you think? What do you think? Well, go ahead with that because I was going to ask gonna... you what do you thought happened at the end there. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say. They. I'm not going to say they got lucky because it is by design. It's it's much like um, an offense that runs the ball 40 times in the first three quarters. And by the fourth quarter, the defensive line is just worn out and they offer little resistance. Uh, I think in this case, it was with the, the jump shooting of Reddish and Barrett. Um, by the last minute or so, it definitely seemed like, you know, Carolina had gotten into their legs a little bit. Um, and it was a good thing because North Carolina's four, you know, four or five minute offense was bad. I mean, it was... It was awful, and I don't normally speak so strongly, but it's as it's as bad as I can remember. I mean, last year in the ACC tournament when they beat Duke, um, they ran out to a big lead and didn't score um, a field goal. I think it was in the last five minutes. The, the, the only two points they had were two the, the opens and free throws. So I'm not sure what it is about Duke and getting that 12 to 15 point lead. I guess they just felt really good and it seemed like they were going for kill shots, you know, from the 647 mark on, there were just so many threes. So that's something I think Rowan's will, once they finish celebrating this and, you know, the honors that will come for Cam Johnson probably tomorrow and Kobe White and all that stuff, they'll sit down and say, you know, 
you've got to be better in the four or five minute offense to close out the game because um, that might not happen in the NCAA tournament. You know, there, there could be a team uh, who shoots better from three, who gets on fire and, you know, you could, your season could end. So I think that's something Rogans will definitely talk to his guys about um, next week. Yeah, looking at the the trends to end the ball game, Carolina won for their last thirteen from the field. Uh, no field goals in the last six forty seven. Duke nothing in the last two nineteen. That that is exactly how you end your season, is to get a lead there and just. I mean, it happened way back uh, against Georgetown in the final eight or the Elite Eight mm-hmm. um, back at that Dewey talks about a lot, but it's. It's weird how you're right, and you described it perfectly. They kept throwing up kill shots, and if any one of them goes down, then it's definitely over. Um, but and I said it off air. I may have said it at the beginning of this podcast. I started thinking about Austin Rivers an awful lot watching the end of that ball game. It was a similar formula. I mean, North Carolina had played well. They got up. They were clearly the better team that night, and then. There were some other things that happened with the officials in that game that probably tilted it towards Duke. Um, but, you know, <laughs> um, the same thing happened where North Carolina just couldn't really get out of their own way. Uh, so, you know, that'll definitely be a topic of conversation. But for them, again, Kenny makes the block. They made their free throws. Just a, a huge victory for North Carolina. Um, if you would have told me, you know, I know everybody does that. If you would have told me three years ago, blah, blah, blah. But after that Louisville game, when we're sitting there doing the post-game podcast that they would lose one more time the rest of the regular season. They would have 16 ACC wins. They would sweep Duke. They'd be the number two seed in the ACC tournament. They'd be right there for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. It, 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 it probably would have, you probably would have said, well, you know, obviously Kobe White has to go crazy and this has to happen. You would have had to have named seven or eight things that would have happened for North Carolina to be where they are now. And it seems like all those things happened. You're right about that. I mean, it's a weird, and this is one of those years you kind of wish Carolina got Virginia twice, maybe, because the Carolina and Virginia certainly atop the ACC at 16-2, and two, but Virginia gets the number one seed based on their one win over North Carolina, yet they lost to Duke twice, and Carolina beat Duke twice. Just a crazy um, ACC, but it, really a top-heavy ACC. Let's talk a little bit about this coming week because it used to be let's talk a little bit about friday the greatest day in sports forever but now now it's not like that anymore so talk about tuesday yeah let's talk about (laughs) tuesday tuesday carolina certainly gets the double by they sit around and have to wait for not one but two games to see who they get shrill if if you said it earlier if you'd asked me you know two months ago what i thought but let's put this season um, in perspective for north carolina you know, I just think it's um, it's one of Roy Williams' best, if you ask me. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, they they were they're disparate parts, I think, for a traditional Roy Williams team. Something we talked about, you know, all the time. That you know, a, a talking point I've said, you know, other people have said, sm- people smarter than me have said, is that when Roy Williams doesn't have a traditional big, you know, he can't he can't win. He can't uh, have a high level team who is capable of winning a national championship. And, you know, we'll see what happens in March, but there's no question this team is capable of winning a national championship. And Garrison Brooks is not yet at the point where he can be a guy you throw the ball into and say, go get me 20. So um, I think that defies, you know, the conventional wisdom on Roy Williams. The other thing was that, well, Roy Williams just throws the ball out and, you know, he goes and tells his guys to do whatever because he's just got the most talent. And we obviously know that's not the case considering, you know, North Carolina's recruiting rankings and all that stuff. Um, so kind of the two things that people use against him 
um, he's kind of flipped on, on, you know, to the other side, he's flipped it on its head, so to speak. And just a tremendous job of managing, you know, uh, personalities of sticking with what he, you know, thought in his mind would work of uh, working in players um, just, just all the things that a head coach does. He he's done all those tremendously this year. And that's why North Carolina has 26 wins and, you know, it's probably one win away, I think, from really locking up a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which is just a phenomenal turnaround from, you know, where they were in, in December and after that Louisville game. Incredible run. Seeing them lose to Texas, get just destroyed by Michigan, destroyed at home by Louisville, just a, an unbelievable. And I still think they win the Virginia game at home, but for Cam's injury there, but um, no asterisks for Carolina. They don't they don't put those on the board for the Tar Heels Again, you're listening to the Inside Carolina Radio Show, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Uh, premium subscribers, get your 10% off with that code, and they've already got a shirt. I believe the shirt says, family is greater than brotherhood. So in, uh, Inside Carolina and JohnnyTShirt.com on top of it already. Sherelle, looking at all ACC, and I know this gets a little bit far afield for the postgame pod, but uh, those awards got, will come out very soon. We've got time. Let's let's just keep it going. We got some recruiting to talk to, so let's just roll. Yeah, I got. We got a bunch <laughs> of stuff to go, and I know there are a lot of folks listening, and hope you like the disjointedness of my hosting ability tonight. <laughs> but Saturday night, Duke Carolina, you figure it out. Uh, all ACC. Cam Johnson's a lock. Correct. Tell me why Kobe White is not. Um, I I can't tell you. The only reason I can tell you why maybe not is because there are a lot of good players in the ACC. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, I, I think people have really slept on Ty Jerome from Virginia. I mean, he, the last couple of games, he's been phenomenal. He's been much better than Kyle Guy. Um, so, you know, Virginia, I think by virtue of winning the league because they beat North Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised if they get two people on the team. And that's kind of where Kobe's spot would come from. It's really, I think, you know, different people have different criteria. I think Zion, R.J. Barrett, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Hunter are, are locks to me. Those four players uh, are definitely on there. And then I think you pick between uh, Jerome um, and Kobe White for that fifth spot. And, you know, it just depends on what the voters do. I think they'll defer a little bit to Virginia because Virginia is the number one seed and they are higher ranked. But um, I think you can make an argument for either player. Mm. I just think it's tough watching him step up big, big, and uh, but not get first team. But definitely, he'll be at the top of the second team list if he's not. Where's Luke Mayfall? I think he'll be on the second team. I think tonight's um, sh- really the shooting performances the last couple of, of nights post Duke um, have hurt him a little bit. But it's funny because you look at the stat sheet and you're like, you know, Luke May just did not have a great game. You know, he had three turnovers, and then you start going left on the bot score. You see seven assists. You're like, wow, that's a career high. He he just had a career high a couple of games ago when he had, uh, I believe it was uh, six a couple of games ago. So he said his career high in assists again. And then you're like, oh, he had 16 rebounds? Wow, I, I don't remember all those. And then, you know, he did shoot three of 13 from the field, but he made a three and he had seven points. So he was three points and three assists away from having a third triple-double in North Carolina history and what everybody, I think, without looking at the box score, would say was not his best game of the season. Um, so he has to be considered because he's right there at the top four uh, rebounding in the conference, and he'll be the second player in the last 45 years, I think it is, in North Carolina history to average a double-double in back-to-back seasons since Mitch Kupchak. So um, just a historic season from Luke May, and 
he might end up on second team. And I, again, I think it has more to do with the ACC is just really a really good conference this year. You can make a strong argument that at full health, they have, you know, three of the top four teams or I, you could probably make an argument. They have the top three teams in the country at full health. So um, I think it's more, more of that than anything is that there are a lot of good players. Let's turn to recruiting. I know a lot of folks have seen Cole Anthony's uh, Instagram and all that already from the Dean Dome pregame, but uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how big a recruiting night, football, unbelievable recruiting weekend, but just as big, if not bigger, for basketball. Yeah, I, you know, I can't remember. Even the Duke game two years ago that was the regular season finale, they had, they had some talent there, um, but I don't think it was at this level. Um, of of rank of of pedigree um, and at positional needs as well. So you know we've talked about Cole Anthony. Obviously, he is North Carolina's top target. He has been for a long, long time. Still don't know when he's going to announce a decision, but I think North Carolina feels pretty good about him. Um, don't pencil you know don't pencil him into a lineup or anything. But I think North Carolina definitely feels good about him. Uh, Armando Baycott was there. He is. We were talking earlier about the traditional Roy Williams big man who you can throw the ball into, he is that guy. Um, so he, he'll come in next year, and he'll, he'll definitely challenge Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks for for major minutes, I think. Um, and then uh, Precious Achua was here on an official visit. He's a 2019 forward. He's kind of that combo forward who can play some three and some four. Um, I think mostly he'd be like a small ball four, kind of that modern version of that at North Carolina. So he's here for an official visit, another top 20 player. Uh, Zaire Williams, a 2020 player, uh, is another top 20 guy. He is a kind of a, a, a forward in the Cam Johnson, Justin Jackson mold. Um, can really shoot it, is a pretty good passer, um, tall and, and lanky and lean. Uh, then Isaiah Todd, who, who plays in Raleigh, is yet another five-star player who is in attendance. Um, he is, again, that kind of combo forward. He's in the 2020 class. He could play the three or the four. I think his best college position would be the four. Cam Hayes is there. He's a 2021 guard from uh, Greensboro Day who's being recruited by everyone. So, uh, And then I left out Greg Brown, who's a top five player in the 2020 class. He is a, a phenomenal athlete um, who is just an amazing dunker, <laughs> uh, frankly. And he's a really good player. Um, his dad played for Mac Brown at Texas. So, um, you know, just five-star players everywhere. And, uh, you know, North Carolina didn't have a lot of visitors during the season just because there were a lot of 12 noon tips and they were during weekends where there were big tournaments elsewhere. Um, but having all those guys there for that environment, I'm sure, was a pretty good thing for the staff. Yeah, I was going to ask, you've covered kids a lot and seen all these guys go to these various places with these atmospheres. How much does that – you know, we hear about it a lot on the football side, the atmosphere during game day, but how much – um, does an atmosphere like Smith Center was tonight affect guys' choices? You know, it, I don't think it makes a decision for anybody, but how much does it matter in the basketball scope of recruiting, in your opinion? I think it's more towards guys who are close to a decision or, or close, you know, thinking they like North Carolina, thinking they could see themselves play there. I think for them, a, a game like tonight could push them over the edge. Um, just because there's so much excitement, you know, North Carolina fans are, you know, going crazy everywhere. I'm sure they're signing autographs to people, you know, they've never seen, you know, never met before. They're probably a little confused about why, 
you know, a, a, a six-year-old from Lumberton knows about them, you know, that kind of stuff. So they, they get a little starstruck, I think, and then it helps. And then they see North Carolina playing so well. They're in the locker room. They see how much fun they're having. So for somebody who might be leaning slightly, slightly to North Carolina, I think it pushes them over the edge. You know, Justin Jackson, you know, um, when he was on his official visit, it was during uh, a Florida State game. North Carolina was playing Florida State. It was the year that uh, Rogans went to a small lineup. And I remember talking to him that night for an interview, and you could just kind of tell that, you know, it had it had done what uh, the staff wanted it to, that he was a Carolina lean, and it kind of pushed him in towards a commitment, and the next night he committed. So I think that's the biggest impact. For, for guys who may be further away from a decision, it definitely gives them, um, you know, it, it gives them something to use to um, – compare other places to when they go, you know, to wherever they're going to officially visit or, or unofficially visit. Um, but to be at that game um, against, you know, against Duke, the best rivalry in college basketball, um, it, it definitely attracts, you know, elite players. Interesting. And it is definitely to hear your explanation and answer on that. Cause I've always wondered um, the difference in football and basketball recruiting. I mean, basketball, they want to, you got to use folks correctly. You got to get folks to the league. You got to do all that. And football recruits seem to talk about atmosphere more um, as as far as their, you know, the way when they're choosing a school, I think it maybe ranks a little bit higher on the basketball scale, but it is interesting. And you, and you're right. A lot of people talk about the atmosphere of the Smith center on a, on a regular night, but yeah, I've been in Cameron, I've been in Reynolds, I've been in uh, the Smith center and the Smith center is right there, especially in the Duke game when it's on fire like it was tonight. I mean, there's just no better atmosphere for college basketball. And the football thing, I think, is because they're they're kind of landlocked for three years. Like, they have to be in college for three years. So they have a more um, – their, their palette for making a decision is wider, if you will. So it's not just how can I get to the league or what can I do to help myself become a professional. It's also these other things. Not saying that college basketball players don't look at that too. But I think more so because they know they're going to be there for three years that football players look at that stuff, uh, you know, a little more often. Great point. You need to be, uh, you need to join Don Callahan and be football expert too. <laughs> no, Don, Don's way. <laughs> no, Don, Don's the man. <laughs> Indeed, Don Callahan. Of course, we're talking about inside Carolina's football recruiting expert. Sherelle, it's always a pleasure to talk, especially after. Um, we've wrapped yet another season doing this stuff. Got post game to go, but uh, post season to go. But it's hard to believe that the 2018-19 regular season is already over. Don't you remember? Just uh, it seemed like yesterday we were talking about well, who's going to start at point guard? Is it going to be Seventh Woods or Kobe White? And you know, is is Nasir Little okay with coming off the bench? And will when is Roy going to change the starting lineup? All the questions that we had preseason, and I, I feel like every single one of them, we got a, a pretty definitive answer. Um, very quickly once the season started. Did Carolina 16 and 2 in the ACC shares the conference championship with Virginia 26 and 5 overall. ACC tournament starts Tuesday. I don't know how many folks pay attention on Tuesday, uh, <laughs> but we'll be watching to see who Carolina ultimately gets to play on Thursday evening. Carolina 79-70 went over Duke to sweep the Blue Devils. Kenny, Cam, and Luke's senior night. If you haven't already listened to their senior speeches, they're out there inside Carolina. I'll certainly have them up on ICTV. Shrell, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks. Yep. Talk to you soon, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. 
where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.